The following presentation was recorded live at the River Worship Center in Warsaw, Indiana. We now join the message already in progress. On, the, on, on broadcast this morning, those of you on the FM, thank you. Um, we, are, we are so happy that you're here. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? You know that's a choice. One, it's a declaration and it's a choice. This is the day that the Lord has made, and that's a fact, right? And, but the second part of that, I will rejoice and be glad in it, that's a declaration and a choice. How many times do you get up and say, man, I don't feel like doing anything today, and I'm just not going to do nothing? You made your choice. It's, was it still the day that the Lord had made? But we made a choice, right? And, and, and then Joshua, Joshua, man, he just, he just gets right down into Joshua just... Man, he lets the chips fly where they may, right? He said, he said choose you this day who you're going to serve. So every day I get up and I make a choice. Am I going to serve myself or am I going to serve the, the, the Lord of universe, right? And, and, and Joshua, in his, in his choosing of his verbiage, he said, if, if, see, if serving God seems odd to you or strange to you or evil to you then then choose you this day who you'll serve right but as for me and my house now you'll hear that a lot as for me and my house we're going to serve the lord amen and you know what let me let me just tie up that introduction by saying this how many of you ever heard of john the john the beloved and he was uh, he was kin to salome probably was a, a, a cousin we're, we're trying to figure out the English language is really hard, especially when it comes to relation. Um, I, found out, I found out not long ago that the person I've been calling my second cousin was actually my first cousin once removed. It'll mess with you. That's okay. It's, I've been trying to figure this out. The person that I thought was my, my great aunt is actually my, my, my aunt. How would that go? My aunt once removed. or yeah, it's a, We've just been calling her our great aunt this whole time. My second cousin just been my second cousin. That's easier but it's wrong. So anyway, John said, I'll say this, John was probably a, a, first, a first cousin once removed or second cousin to Jesus. He, he, he was probably the one who wrote the, the John's gospel, the one who wrote the, the book of Revelation, first, second, and third John. He was probably a cousin to Jesus. That's why you know, Jesus is the one that Jesus loved, the beloved, the one at the Last Supper that, that laid his head on Jesus' chest. He, he, was, he, was, he was probably Jesus' Jesus relative. I heard a lot of people say, well, you can't be in ministry with your relatives. Well, tell that to Jesus. You know, Talk to the Apostle James about that. He wasn't even saved when Jesus was crucified, got saved later, became pastor of the church in, in Jerusalem, the biggest church, the biggest Christian church at the time, became the hub of, of, of the, the movement of Christ that was called the way, became the hub in Jerusalem to all the uttermost parts of the world. Yeah, you can. You can, you can have your family with you, and it's desirable to have your family with you. What would, what's, the worst, what's the worst part about, about going to heaven, about not going to heaven, is you go to hell, right? What's the worst part about going to heaven is not taking your family with you, right? So, so Polycarp said, Polycarp was, a, a, was a, an apprentice, a disciple of John. And when it came his time, they were, they were persecuting the church. They were, you know, Caesar said, you can, you can have your Jesus, but you've got to worship Caesar. 
History, history records this. You can keep Jesus. You, know? you can let Jesus take the wheel occasionally. But you have, to, you have to worship Caesar. You have to say Caesar is Lord. And people were like, do I put my head on the chopping block or do I, do I just acquiesce a little bit? You know? today, we, today we have cheap grace, don't we? Well, God will forgive me. Lord, you know. And, 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 and hmm. We talked about this on Wednesday night a little bit. The sacrifices that were made by those in, in the first century. And Polycarp said, 70 years I've served him. 70 years. And he's not failed me once. I will not deny him now. And they took off his head. Let me just tell you, I have failed him a million times. He's not failed me once. He's never forsaken me. He's never left me. A lot of times I wasn't looking for him, Pastor. A lot of times I wasn't searching for him. But Jesus has never failed me. And I will give you this guarantee. He will never fail you either. Amen? All right. So, ah. What a, what, a, what a time. And, and he showed up today. It was a, there was an awesome presence of God in this place. He's still here right now. Just because the, 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 we're moving into his word. You know what John wrote about him in, in, in John 1 and 1? said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And so when we talk about the word, we're talking about Jesus. You ready to hear about Jesus today? Amen. All right, turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, the sixth chapter. And if you don't have a Bible and you want one, we've got them in the back or they'll be on the screens for you. And uh, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit today. And I'm, we're going to stay primarily in Matthew chapter 6 and in Matthew chapter 7 today. I'm not going to do a whole lot of running around. I'm not going to send you to, to all these passages. Uh, but uh, I may use them, but I won't necessarily send you to them. So in, in, uh, in the sixth chapter of the book of Matthew, he tells us he, he's very... He, he, one, of the, one of the biggest traps for Christians today is money. One of the biggest hang-ups is money. In this community, I've already been told, I've been told by, by a, a, a woman dear to me, said, all you preachers want is our money. Really? Do tell. Do tell. Money. Why is, it, why is, money, why is, money, why is money so important to us today? Well, for the obvious reasons, you need it to live. But money represents your life, doesn't it? You go to work, you punch a clock, you, you spend you know thirty to, to forty hours in the in the shop, and the and your boss trades you a, um, a stipend, and then you got to pay the government because you worked, and, and you got to do all that other stuff. But the, but the, but the boss trades you t- your your time, and your labor, for what? Money. That's why it's important. It, money represents your life, doesn't it? So, okay. The time, anyway. It says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So there's an exchange that can happen. 
I can lay up for myself treasures here, right? I can put them in the bank. I can squirrel them away. I can buy, a, you know, certificates of deposit. I can put it in gold. I can put it in silver. I can put it in whatever. I can lay up for myself treasures here. And we all understand that. But how does one lay up for themselves treasures in heaven? I mean, when I was, when I was in like the third grade, you know, Mrs. Wade took us through the, well, how a bank account works and that how we all, should, we all should start a savings account in the third grade and we got these little safes and we would put our money in the bank and then when the safe got full, we would take them and we would go down to the, uh, this, this was crazy, but it was fun. They, they took us down to the, to the First National Bank. Anybody know where that's at today? Um, anyway, took us to the First National Bank and we got to undo the combinations of our safe and, and say, we want to make an account in this amount. It was pretty cool. And then, like most of us, we forgot about them. You know, now, now you have to have a parent signature before you can do any of that stuff. But mo- most of us forgot about them. And then I think Vanessa and I were married, and I got this note from the First National Bank of Wabash, Indiana. And, and, it, and it said, you know, your, 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 your account, is, it's, it's gained some interest, you know, uh, but it, there's not enough in it for us to keep it anymore. And I'm like, what account was that? What account? I'm, I don't, I, we don't do business there. You know, and, and, and I, so we got to inquiring and, and we had put like $5 in back in, let me, let me, let me try to guess what year that would have been. I mean, uh, I think 69, 70, we'd put $5 in and over the years it, it had grown. And I'm telling you what, man, if I, if, oh, I, sh- if I, I should have just paid attention to it. I mean, we could have bought a fine house and a fine, I mean, interest had almost, we almost, we had almost got a 60% interest on that. And so I had $7.50 after all those years. Well, gosh, I was impressed. Not. And, and, and they, that's when they started adding fees to banking. Remember when they started adding the fees? And if you didn't carry a certain amount of balance in there, I'd forgot even about that bank. Matter of fact, I really didn't think it was real. It was just something that we did, you know. I thought it was an assignment. And I didn't think that it was real, didn't think there was any real money in there. I just thought that maybe I gave Mrs. Wade my five bucks. I didn't know. I mean, who wants $5 worth of pennies and dimes and nickels, right? Well, Mrs. Wade did, I thought. All right, God bless her. She's, she's going on to be with the Lord now, but anyway. You see, we, can lay, we understand what it is to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth, don't we? How then do we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? What goes on, what, what do we do that can, we can lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven? And this is a, the first question I want to pose to the, to, the, to the congregation and those of you watching online today. How do we lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth can't break in and rust doesn't get and nobody can steal them for us? How do you do that? Have you, has, anybody, has anybody ever had some money come up missing? You know, we, we, lived in a, we lived in an apartment down in Wabash when we first got married, and, and my mother-in-law, God bless her, she, she, she's used to living out in the country. Uh, and, and out in the country, man, you don't lock your doors, you didn't do it, and at least back then, you know, you just leave stuff in your car. And she left her purse in the car right, right in the parking lot of the apartment, and the window's down. 
And this, no, man, it wasn't back in the Wild West days, but it was way back there. And you wouldn't, you know, still we didn't have a lot of theft in there, but somebody came along, saw that person there, and thought, hey, looky there. We've had stuff stolen. We understand that, don't we? We live in a fallen world, so we understand how people can take our stuff, right? So how do we put it, how do we transfer that and lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where none of that can happen? How would you like to make investments like that? That's the investments that as believers we should be making. So the first one is how can we, and the first question I'll pose to you, and we'll, we'll answer that here in a moment. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm. And that is a truth. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Just let that sink in for a moment. Where your treasure is, <laughs> we got to, I tell, I tell the story sometime, I was a, I was a ham radio operator. I still am, but I was a ham radio operator. Had a big old tower up, and had a, I was talking all over the world. And basically, I was talking to missionaries around the world, and I was I was doing all kinds of stuff. We were doing you know, uh, hurricane relief when when uh, some of the hurricanes went through and devastated the islands. The only only communications that they had was with hurricanes, and and so I, I got this brand new antenna. I mean, it was expensive, you know, back in the day. It was expensive. Got this brand new antenna. And, and, and we were talking, and we were, and, and every time a wind would come up, I worried about it. Man, I was like, oh, no. I'd be sitting in a Bible study. Wind would be blowing. Oh, man, Lord, Lord, keep that thing up there. Keep that thing up there. My, my treasure was that, that prize. How many times do we treasure our possessions more than we treasure eternity? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be, right? It says that the lamp of the soul, in verse, number, in verse number 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If, and if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will, he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, and mammon here is translated straight across to money. Why is it that it seems like money is always in competition with God? Because when we have money, we don't need God. Or we don't think we need God. When all my bills were paid, I, I, what, do I, what need do I have of God? When I got money in the bank, what, wh why, do I why do I have need of God? When I can go out and buy anything that I want, what do I have need of God for? Because there are some things that money can't buy. And part of that is that eternal treasure that is in heaven. Your money, all the money in the world, the, the richest man in the world can't buy one square inch of heaven. There are certain things that money cannot buy. Isn't it amazing? And you can't serve God and money. He put it, he put it together like you're serving, you're, you're trying to be loyal to two different sides. You're trying to be loyal to two different things. You're trying to be loyal, and one will draw you away. You know, the, when, uh, back in the day, I think it was in the 20s, they asked Nelson D. Rockefeller, you know, the richest man in the world, how much money do you really need to live? And you know what, you know what his answer was? It was a patent reply. You know what his answer was? One more dollar. He had all the money in the world. What do you, how, much more, how much is enough? One more dollar. One dollar more 
It's a hunger that you can never satisfy. And we know that the lust of money is the root of all evil. Now, money's not the root of all evil. A lot of people misquote that. You'll see it misquoted on the internet if you go out on Facebook. Money's the root of all evil. That's not true. If you're going to quote the scripture, use it right and use it in context. Money is not the root of all evil. The lust of it is. The desire of it is. Money's just a tool. Money can, money can help, you, help you do things for yourself and other people. Money can help you with your family. Money can help you with the church. Money can help you with your bills. Money can help you in your community. But it can't save you. Case in point. This Wednesday, we're going to go down to IU Simon. It's been 14 years since we were first at IU Simon. And when we were sitting in the breast cancer unit, I would have given every cent that I had to get rid of the cancer in her body. I would have given every dime. There were people there from every walk of life. And it's amazing when someone that you love is in peril and your money becomes worthless. Two years ago, this Valentine's Day, my mom had a, a stroke, a severe stroke, and, and we, were in, we were in Parkview North, and I would have given every dime that I had. I was talking with Luke the other day. I would give it all for another hour with mom. Some things in this life money can't buy. We, it can buy a lot, and it can, it can bring you a lot of things, but it's only, that's only things. What's really important, money can't touch. Isn't it amazing? So I wanted to serve the God who, who could move in a life full of cancer. I wanted to serve a, a God who could move. I wanted, to, I wanted to give my affection and my attention to a God who would say, I hear you in the basement of IU Simon. I hear you, and, and she's going to be okay. And, and 14 years later, you're going to go back and expect a good checkup this Wednesday at the oncologist. And, and, and the God that would say that, you know, your, your mom's not going to die. Your, your mom's going to be with me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move her out. They're claiming she's going to die today, but three weeks you got to be with her, hold her hand and love her and let her know that it's alright that mom I'll see you again that's the God that I serve all of my money and I don't have a lot all of my money couldn't have bought me those opportunities he said you can't serve God and mammon amen uh, therefore I say to you and this is Jesus talking. If you're looking at it in the Bible, it's, it's red. the words are in red, and that's Jesus talking. If, if you're using it on, on the app, it's Jesus. It, it's, the words are in red. He says, therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life or what you will eat or what you'll drink, right? Nor about your body or what you'll put on. Is not your life more than food? Right? Is not your life more than clothes? 
clothing? Aren't you more than that? Aren't you more? Aren't you worth more than the sum total of where you eat and and what you wear? There's a crisis in America right now because some people are defined by what they wear. Right? I saw I saw the other day a, a, a person got arrested for selling coach bags that weren't coach bags. Why do people want fake coach bags? Well, because the real ones are expensive, right? Follow the money. It's all about the money. Why do people, why do people want, you know, uh, I, a friend of mine is from Argentina, and, and he was telling me that Argentina sent their engineers up here to be hired in, in, the, in the car companies. And, and in the, back in the day of the pony, the pony horses and the power and the muscle machines, and, and Argentina actually has knockoffs. They took all, the, they took all, all that time, they, they spent all that time, you know, copying the designs, of, you know, of the AMCs and copying the designs of the, of, of the Chargers and, and copying the designs of, of, of the Novas and the Chevelles and the Corvettes. And, and they actually have cars down there that actually look like, that now they've got Spanish names, and, but they look, like, they look like all the classic muscle cars. Counterfeits. And you know what? Even though they look like the real thing, you can't import them into this country because they're fake. You can look, you can look down the street and it looks like, man, this must be classic car avenue. <laughs> fake. Do you, do you not know that you're, you're worth more than, than where you eat and worth more than what you wear? You're worth more than that. This is the Lord talking. He says, you're more than that. You're worth more than that. He said, look at the birds of the air. He said, they neither sow nor they reap or, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Well, God thinks you are. I know there are some, I know there are some folks that, that you know, they, they, they may not agree, but God thinks you're worth more. Jesus is asking the question, aren't you worth more than that to God? You see, birds weren't created in His image, but we were. We talked about that a little bit last week. We touched upon that. We are created in the image of God. Right? He said, which one of you, by worrying, can add one cubit, or, or about 18 to, to 22 inches, depending on your, to your stature? Which one of you, by worrying, you know, you know anybody that's worrying right now? Anybody that's going through a thing and they're worried and they're fretting and they're like, oh Lord, what are we going to do? What are we going to write? Who, which one? Which one? And you know, Jesus said, look, worrying about it isn't going to help. As a matter of fact, he, he, the Apostle Paul would come by and tell us and, and Peter would say, he would say, casting all of your cares on him because he cares for you. He careth for you. And so if we're worrying, let's just give it to the Lord and see what the Lord's going to do because He cares for us. That's the God that we serve. The God that cares for us. Intently. Innately. He cares for us. A lot of times we don't care for each other, but He cares for us. So why do you worry about clothing? 
Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow, and they neither toil nor spin. They don't work, and they don't make, and they don't make fabric. They don't, they don't spin into their own. They, 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 they're just there. They, they grow. And he said, and I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of them, one of these. And I've seen some pictures, I've seen some pictures the other day, I, and, and I don't know even who sent them to me, but whoever it was, thank you. Man, they're lilies that, that they, they only like bloom like once every five years, but they are gorgeous. You couldn't paint them. You, they were just so intricate. The detail inside them was so beautiful. The petals were so beautiful. They, I mean, and it's, it's amazing. They, they, the people watch for them. You know, they, they wait for, to when they're going to come up, and, they, and they're just gorgeous. Somebody gave, uh, somebody gave Vanessa some resurrection lilies around the house. You ever heard of resurrection lilies? They, they come up, and then they die. And then in the fall, they come back again. Isn't that amazing? They come back. They're called resurrection lilies because just like Jesus, they're coming back. Oh, I, I, you know, you, when you think about what God has done and what God has created, when you think about what he's put us and what he's blessed us with, he, he, everything points to him. Does not creation point to the creator? Amen. Creation declares his, his glory. Creation screams, I'm here. Right? For after all these things, he said in verse number 32, he said, he said oh, he, uh, verse 31, let me back up. Verse number 30, thank you. Now, if, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today and is tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. He says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or, or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles or the lost people seek. He says, for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Your heavenly father knows. He knows what you have need of before you ask. A lot of times we ask and we don't receive because we ask amiss, right? Did James not tell us that? He said, you ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss. Uh, but our Heavenly Father knows what we have need of even before we ask it. Isn't that amazing? A lot of times, a lot of times growing up and, and with our family, I would, I, I, would see that, I would see that the kids would have a need. And a lot of times they would ask, they would ask for, you know, um, games, the, 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 the Wii, they would ask for the, the PlayStation, they, they would ask for, the, you know, the, the Xboxes, but they had a need. Oh, but Dad, I really need an Xbox. Why? I really need an Xbox. Boy, I really need a, a, a what, was the, what was the Nintendo one I, I, the, when that one came out? I really need the Nintendo. Why? What's the need? Don't you need don't you need shoes for school? Don't you need don't you need you know cleats for football? Don't you need you know don't you need you know other stuff? Don't there, aren't there any things that we look at? Do we look at things sometimes and think we need them but we really don't? A lot of times the world can sell us. You know Madison Avenue can sell us on a lot of things, right? 
well, you need this, you need that, you need, and we really don't have a need of it. I know, I know a business today, a very successful business, just west of here a little bit, in, 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 the, in the, place, the place where I'm at, saying, you know, listen, if you guys, if you guys don't become, you know, what was it, um, um, uh, uh, Y2K, if you don't become Y2K compliant, you're going to, you know, we're going to have to quit doing business with you. You've got to be Y2K compliant. And, and, and they were really forcing the issue that they become Y2K compliant. They sent people out to make sure that all their computers were, were, were up to snuff and that all their, all their files and everything were up to snuff. And you know what? When we got out there, they didn't even have computers. The graphite in their pencils was Y2K compliant. Their file drawers that they kept everything in the file cabinets were Y2K compliant. Isn't it amazing? All these things that everybody thinks that we need. Now, it does make things more, more convenient for us and sometimes, unless you get a virus or somebody hacks your accounts. Ever happened to anybody? What, you know, ever, somebody, ever have somebody steal your identity? Try doing that when they have to get into your file cabinet and you're writing everything in pencil. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody stole anybody's identity that way. It's only when you put it out there. Right? I'm a little leery of the cloud right now. I don't know who all's in the cloud. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what, they're, what they're doing in the cloud because I know some people that are more tech savvy than me. Who knows? Not if they steal my stuff, they're going to get a whole lot, but I don't want to be stuck with their bills, right? Okay. He said, all these things the Gentiles seek after. You know, he, he, said, he, said, he said, but your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. Could we live life without computers? Sure. I know some people right now that don't have computers. And you know what? They're not dissatisfied with their life. Matter of fact, they don't have half the hassles that I do. Hey, hey hang on a second. You know, we'd, be, we'd be walking, there, oh, wait, my phone's ringing. I've got to get this. I've got to get this. Do you get, anybody in here remember when there was a phone in your house and you didn't have to answer it? If it rang, it would ring three times and all of a sudden you hear that beep. Hey, we're out in the yard enjoying life. We'll get back to you when we can. We don't, we don't have to stop everything, what we're doing. We were at a, we were at a restaurant not long ago, and, 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 and we were, uh, it was a Mexican restaurant, so they were bringing out the chips and salsa, you know, and we were, we were sitting there talking, you know, and it was great. It was, we were having a good old family time, and I looked across the, the way from us, you know, because every other booth, right? So I looked across, kitty corner across the way, and there was these three people sitting there, and all of them were like this. I literally could have walked over to that table, took their chips and salsa, and nobody would have known. They would have not known. I literally, I, there was a fourth chair. I could have sat right down. They were all like this. If I'm with you, you got my attention. If I'm with you, I appreciate you enough. You got my attention. If I'm with you, I'm going to be with you. If I want to be with him, I'm going to invite him to come and be with us. If, I'm going to, if, I'm, if, if, I, want, if I want these guys to, to eat with us, then I'm going to invite them. We've got to be here now. Do you know what the, do you know what the, the, biggest, the biggest disappointment in, 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 in the world, you could say right now, but in America typically, the biggest disappointment is we can't be with the ones that we want to be with and we disappoint the ones that we are with.
okay, Pastor, let's, let's, let's go fishing. Now, I don't mind this. Um, let, me, let, me, let, me, can I, let me put a disclaimer here. I don't mind when she calls me when I'm fishing because usually when she calls me, I get a bite. All right? So when she calls me, I won't answer because I'm going to land the fish and then I'll call her back. But when she truth, every time she calls me, you could say, okay, it's okay. Every time she calls me, I'm, whoa! All right. But there are people, there are people who you want to be around with, you want to associate with, but, but they're addicted. And it is an addiction. It is an addiction. Brother Summerall saw a vision back in the, in the, in the, in the late 80s that people were going to be going around bowing down. Now watch this. Bowing down to a screen that was blue and they couldn't get away from it. And he saw their hands folded. And he didn't, back then the cell phones were like this big and they had an antenna on them and, and, you, and you look like G.I. Joe in, in, a, in, a, in a military walkie-talkie if you were carrying them. So what was he seeing? Right there. This morning before everybody got here, we were praying, you know. I was praying. I wasn't praying to Facebook. I wasn't praying to Twitter. I wasn't praying to Instagram. I was praying. Come up here, stood up here, was praying up here before everybody got here, was praying. Yes, Lord, is praying. Look around you and see who is assuming the prayer position and what they're praying to. Think about that. Point number two, who are we praying to? All right. Oh, got to hurry. <clears throat> he said in verse number 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added into you. What? All these things. All these things that you need. Whatever you have need of. Right? God knows what you have need of before you ask. If you busy yourself seeking Him and, and seeking His righteousness, then all of these things that you need will be added to you. That's you got Jesus' word on it, not mine. It's not Pastor JC. you got Jesus' word on that. Now, now my word, and, and, and I say this often, and Ashley says, Dad, you probably should find a new saying. But my word and eight bucks will get you a coffee at Starbucks. All right? And not, and, and not a, not a grandi, not a venti. It'll, it'll get you a medium, okay? If you want a big one, I have to give you more, more money. But, but that's Jesus' word. You can take his word to the bank. Matter of fact, they don't like it when you bring his word to the bank, Pastor. Remember? They don't like it. We're not gonna, well, I'm, we're, the rapture's not going to happen with us having a lot of money in your bank. We're going to put it to use right now. He, he was like, well, now we've got a business model and we've got a business this and we've got a business. Look, I've got two business degrees. I, I get it. I know what you're looking at, but I'm looking at somebody else. I'm hearing a call from somebody else. I'm hearing a call not of this world. I'm hearing a call that said, said seek ye first the, the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all of these things will be added to you. It goes beyond what we can comprehend. I mean, we can't, compre we can't comprehend God. Think about it. Who can comprehend God? In, in, in reality, who can comprehend? The more I find out about God, the more I discover about God, the more I know that I don't know about God. It's like an endless, an endless well of knowledge. And the, more you, the deeper you go, the deeper you can get. And, 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 it's the, and it's the Spirit of God that searches the deep things of God. And so we need to get attached to His Spirit. And thank God He was here this morning. Amen. He, he revealed some stuff this morning to those who were seeking Him.
Now, the problem with it is, is that we don't seek him anymore. We don't seek him. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of, of God and his righteousness and all of these things. How much more can you get in, in, into it if it's an all statement? If I'm going to give you all of the money I've got in my pocket and, and, and I give you half of it, am I telling you the truth? If, I'm going to, if, I, say I'm going to, if I say I'm going to give you all of my vehicles, I can't give you all of some of them are hers. But if I'm all of my vehicles and I, and, I give you my ve- and I give you half of my vehicles and you find out later that I only, I only gave you half of them, what are you going to say to me? Hey, I thought you, I, you're holding out. Wait a minute, wait a minute, something's wrong here. But, but the Lord tells you, and this, this is a, a God who cannot lie. Cannot lie. You know what? I, I'm, I'm convinced that if God tried to lie, if he were to say that there is a there is a purple there is a white and purple speckled horse in the field across the street, then we walk out there. There's going to be a white and speckled horse across the street, right? A, a purple speckles, because he has a creative voice. I mean, he spoke into the, into the darkness and said, "Let there be light." He spoke into the darkness, and and things were. When God speaks, things happen. Even if he tries to lie, it will become. Is that, is that making sense? God can't lie. <clears throat> Verse number 34. Matthew says, therefore. And when we see therefore, what do we do? What, what do you need to do when you see there, a therefore statement in the Bible? What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to stop and, say, and put it into context. You don't run with it and, and, make it and make it out of context. So you stop and you put it in context. Therefore, therefore, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Tomorrow will worry about its own things. Anybody worried about tomorrow? Anybody got some stuff in their life that... Man, if it, if it happens, the walls are going to fall down. If it happens, uh, you know what? How many, how many times, look, before we go into tomorrow, let's, let's back up a little bit. How many, how many of you would admit that you've been worried about things in the past that never came about? <laughs> Fretted, worried, Spent hours, maybe sleepless nights, maybe got maybe got upset with with with, with your, your spouse, significant other, maybe maybe got maybe got upset, maybe got mad, maybe quit jobs about things that might have happened, and then they never happened. If we've got a bad track record in that area, this time how about we just give it to God and allow the Lord to take that and allow the Lord to move with that. And see what God can do. Why don't, what if we would try this? When Moses and the children of Israel were standing at the Red Sea. With Pharaoh coming in behind them. And Pharaoh's armies coming behind them. And the Red Sea in front of them. Now I know a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of people try to say, well, it's the Reed Sea. And it was only ankle deep. And, and that wasn't really a real miracle. Well, then the bigger miracle would have been how in the world did Pharaoh and his armies and his horses drown in ankle deep water. That would have been one. You know, that would have been the real, real miracle. Of no, it was the Red Sea. You know what Moses told the people? He said, "Stand still. Just stand still, and see the salvation 
of God. God's fixing to do something here. For every one of you that raised your hand and said, I'm worried about tomorrow, God's fixing to do something. If you'll stand still, and if you'll give it to God this time, He's going he's to move mightily in your behalf. He, he, the, the wind came all that night, and the, and the seas rolled back, and it dried, up the, it dried up the mud, and it's recorded in your Bible. Nearly, nearly between 6 and 8 million people passed through the sea and didn't get muddy. And then the Bible says that the cloud moved and Pharaoh and those guys said, whoa, the last of the people are getting out on there. Look at this. They've escaped. And they started in. And about the time that his whole army was in, before they got to the edge, the walls came back in. If we've worried about things in the past that never came, that never came about and we spent hours and weeks and maybe months and maybe years about something that didn't come to pass, why don't we give it to God? This Let's try a different way. This time, let's give it to the Lord and stand still and watch God move on our behalf. Amen? And then, don't forget, don't forget, then when God does move and, and God does work it out for in our favor... Because Jeremiah 29, 11 says that I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to bless you and give you a hope. Not to hurt you, not to harm you. Now that's a, that's a big scripture. That's a big passage. We like to quote that one. But do you know what he was talking about in Jeremiah 29, 1 through, and 1 through 10? He said, y'all messed up and you're getting ready to go into 70 years of captivity. You see, the, the children of Israel had worshipped idols. They had fallen into idolatry. And they had left their first love. He said, you all messed up. And he says, you're getting ready to go into, into Jeremiah's the weeping prophet, by the way, because I sure wouldn't want to deal that. I wouldn't want to deliver that message. We're going to go into 70 years of captivity. We're going to go in and, and, our, and we're, going to be in, we're going to be enslaved. That's not a very merry message, right? You know? Hey, how you doing? You're, you're about ready to be plundered. Hey, how's it going? You know, we messed up and God's going to, he's, he's, he, we're going to go into, we're going to go into 70 years. But, and then right on the end of that, in verse number 11, he says, he says, but I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to bless you and give you a hope and not discourage you. That's good because they needed some hope, didn't they? Didn't they need some hope? Oh, my goodness. You know what's amazing about that? When they came out of that, not one time afterwards, when they came out of the captivity, not one time were their hearts turned back to idols. God fixed that pretty good. <laughs> he, had, he knew the plan that He had for them, and they wouldn't be worshiping idols anymore. Amen. The thing about it is, when Jesus, Jesus he, he's talking here, but he comes back in Revelation chapter 2 and he, and he, and he, and he says to the, to, the, to the church at Ephesus, he goes, he goes, you've left your first love. You've left your first love. He said, return back to your first love. And, and what he's calling the church to do today is return back to your first love. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Return to your first love. And then all of these things shall be added into you. He says, don't worry about tomorrow. 
For tomorrow, it will worry about itself, its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't borrow borrow trouble from tomorrow. Because as we've said, we've all worried about things that never came about. God moved on our behalf. And sometimes God had to move mightily on our behalf. Amen? All right. We're going to skip on into, into, into chapter number seven. The most famously misquoted verse in the world. All right? The most famously misused verse in the world. Okay, you can highlight that, write that down, take a note. But here it is. We're going to give it to you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. Hmm, interesting. What's the very first thing that somebody says? They, somebody says, you know, you, hey man, look, I, 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 are you sure you're going around? Judge not. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. <laughs> so, I got a friend. He, he did some stupid stuff. He did some illegal stuff. <laughs> and he got, he was in court. And he uh, he was standing before the judge, and he was getting ready to he was getting ready to go up, and they were gonna they were gonna give him some time. And he looked at the judge. He looked across the bench, and he says, "Only God can judge me." And the judge says, "Well, that's not true. I'm going to judge you right now." And I was going to give you leniency, but just so that you understand, have an understanding when you come out. I'm just going to here you go. Here's your sentence. I, I don't want to cut any off of it because, and and then and then three years later when he was coming for his clemency hearings he was coming up and he was going he wrote the judge a letter (laughs) judge you're right you can judge me too (laughs) and he said and i'm sorry for for not not realizing who you were i'm sorry for not i'm sorry for and uh, (laughs) so don't don't say that you when people quote this verse it's oftentimes when when they're doing something contrary or somebody trying to now what i don't do is i don't put my don't put my own convictions on people because if the lord you know the, the bible tells us that we work out our own salvation with fear and trembling before god right and, and, and if god tells me that 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 i'm not supposed to do something then that's for me and, and then for my family and if it and if it works for me and my family then praise god it may not work for everybody all right one of them, and, and uh, can I be facetious with you just a little bit? One of them is God. You know, God told me don't drive Chevys. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Detroit told me not to buy Chevys. Every Chevy I ever had blew up. Every one had to put a motor in. In three of them, had to put transmissions in the rest. My family is a Chevy family. They worked at GM. I think I know the... Re- no, I'm, nah, I'm in trouble. <laughs> no. I've had Fords after that. And it's been 20, 25 years I've been driving Fords. I, I switched. They, they made a believer out of me. And I got an old school bus. It was an old Ford school bus. And that thing would start when nothing else would. If the big battery was dead, literally, I, I, I thought at one point in time about taking a little 9-volt. start That thing would start. Matter of fact, we had trouble making it stop. The, the, the kill switch went out on the switch. Went out, and, and you had to go out and get the, you know, take, take something loose to get it to turn off. 
if God tells you and begins to work in on you, how many, how many of you want God to, to... See, he knows our paths, right? The, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. And if God is saying, I want you to do this and I want you to go here, then, then we need to do what he's telling us to do and, and we will find success in where God is taking us. Amen? And so if God is telling me to do it, then, then, then I'm going to follow that path and I'm going to have success in life. And when others ask me, what are you doing? It's not going to be that I drive forwards. It's going to be that I follow the Lord. Now, what happens is, and we see this a lot, especially in our community, we see this a lot. Things, things worked out right or God moved in a certain area, God moved at a certain time, and, and they happened to take note of everybody. And wow, man, everybody was wearing blue jeans and sketchers that day and the power of the Lord fell, and so we're going to become the blue jeans and sketcher church. Like that had anything to do with it. The Bible says when you come in one place, in one mind, in one accord, God's going to be in the midst. It doesn't matter. Well, if you're in one mind and one accord, I guess, if you're all wearing blue jeans and sketchers. But that's not where, why, what caused the power of God to fall. The fact of the matter is, is that you were in one place and one accord. You were in one mind and one accord. You came to seek him and, 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 he, and he proved himself to you. So when people, when people say this, you know, don't judge me, don't judge me, they take it out of context. You have to take that out of context and twist it. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, if you'll judge yourself, you'll have no need of others to judge you. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, judge yourself so that you won't be judged. Hmm. It's easy to pass judgment, though, isn't it? It's easy. To, it's, e- it's easy. It's the easiest thing that we can do. We, we forget that we've got a plank in our own eye, and we want to pull out the speck that's in our brother's eye, don't we? Again, I'm quoting Jesus, but... Jesus, Jesus had it so much on the ball, he understood this. He said, he said in, verse, in verse number one, he starts out, he, start, he starts this dialogue, he says, judge not that you will not be judged. He says, in verse number two, he says, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and don't consider the plank that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck in your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Jesus is saying we need to clean up our own act first before we go out and look at other people. And I I mess with people, okay? I really mess with people because a lot of people want to come and they want to say, man, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm doing this. And you know what I tell them? I'm not your judge. Don't ask me to judge you. I can pray for you. I can, I can help you. I can, I can live in your hand. I can do whatever it takes, but don't expect me to judge you. I'm not going to do it. I have enough trouble keeping this guy in, in the word. I have enough trouble keeping this guy in the way. I have enough trouble keeping this guy, this guy's house in line. I, I'm, not, I'm not volunteering to take on other houses. I will show you the word. I will show you what the word of God says, but it's up to you then to judge for yourself. Pull that plank out of your own eye and then let's, then let's talk, then let's talk, right? Had a lady come here one time and she said, she says, well, you probably, I've been kicked out of a lot of churches. I said, you've been kicked out of a lot of churches? That to me just sounds strange. How can people get kicked out of churches when, when you need the Lord? You know, churches where people need to be. This is where you find hope. This is where you find help. This is not, not a place to put condemnation on people. Condemnation is not of God. 
If you're being convicted by the word of God, then that's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, look, I want you to consider these areas in your life. But when people begin to put condemnation on people and they feel like they can't attend church, that's a problem. Because Jesus said, said suffer the little, the little ones, the little children to come unto me. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all. There's that all statement again. You know, God deals in a lot of things. A lot of people like to say, well, there's nobody that likes this and nobody cares about that. You can't make that all-inclusive statement because you don't know everybody. Only God knows everybody. Now, the, the, the people that you associate with may feel that way. You could say, my group doesn't feel that way or my, or my, or, or my clan doesn't feel that way or... Clan in a, in a family sort, not the other sort. Uh, that, that, uh, you, you, may, you may say that our, our associations don't feel that way, but you can't make an all-inclusive statement because you don't have all the knowledge in the world. Okay? So he says, the Lord may be wanting to deal with us in, in a certain area of our lives, and, and, and if the Lord's wanting to deal with me, then I have, to, I have to be yielded and allow the Lord to deal with me. You'll hear Pastor talk about being on the, on the potter's wheel, and that's when the Lord is dealing with him. I, I'm kind of I'm like more in the fire because the Lord's wanting to, you know, you, you pull out the stuff that's in there. How do you purify gold? Precious metals? You have to get it smelting. You have to get it hot. And when it gets hot, the impurities come to the top and God scrapes them off. And you better hope that none of the stuff that we're holding on to is an impurity because when the Lord puts you into the fire, it's going to disappear. First off, it's going to get hot and then he's going to scrape that stuff, stir that stuff off, skim that stuff off. And worst case, he's going to reach in there with tongs and pull the chunks out. I, I know a little bit about metallurgy. For me, it's been in the fire. For me, God, you know, sometimes it'd be, it'd be easier. Lord, it wouldn't, what, can't we, you know, we, we pass the potter's wheel and we're heading to the oven. And I'm like, oh, God, no, I don't want to go to the oven again. Not again. But God, when God deals with us, then we come out pure. He's making, he's making us into his, into his image. He's forming us into his image. And we've got to be yielded to him. Right? I can't say to you, let me pull the speck out of your eye when I've got stuff in my own. Right? But, and Jesus, Jesus says this, Jesus couldn't preach in, in, in society today. In verse number five, he just says, hypocrite. He does. He, I mean, he just... He just Spits it right out there. That big word, hypocrite. How many, how many TV preachers you heard say that late, lately, you know? How many preachers in pulpit you say, man, that, that's, that's hard. Jesus just spits it out there. He says, first, remove the plank that you got in your own eye. First, make your own vision clear. First, get your own vision clear. And then you'll see clearly to remove the speck that's in your brother's eye. Anybody, anybody in here ever had eye surgery? I had, I had detached retinas. That was what I was talking about in, before you offered. I had detached retinas, couldn't see. It was, um, it was histoplasmosis. I don't know if anybody of you know about that, but it's, it's, it's common to this area. And my retinas detached. <coughs> I had to, 
I was, uh, actually, I was going to India Bible College at the time, and Brother Delron was like, eh, what's going on? And I said, man, that, I don't know, but that wall's moving. <laughs> I had blood pooling behind my retina. <laughs> and the, the first guy that we went to see, he goes, oh, yes. He goes, I, I, we, we, the, the technology's great. We've, we're using lasers now. And, and he, goes, uh, he goes, let me... Uh, let me let me get this laser and I want to show you. And it was about the it was a little bit bigger than this pencil. And he goes, he goes, this laser is so fine. He goes, matter of fact, I can hit a spot in it about the size of, of, a, of, a, of a, a pinpoint. And he was like, let me show it to you. And I'm like, quit moving that thing. You got to have steady hands. You're going to be putting that laser in my eye, buddy. And I said, I want a second opinion. He goes, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 you don't understand. I, you, you're shaking too much to be taking a laser into, the, into my brain, base of my, in the back of my eye. And I said, what if you dial it up too deep? You get it in my brain. And, 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 then he said, you know, and then he said, well, there's jobs in Congress. And no, no, I, oh, I, I should have said that. That was bad. That was bad. I'm bad. I, I, I was kidding. So we sought for another, we sought for another guy. And he got it, man, and it was rock solid. I'm watching him, and I'm like, I still wasn't very much comforted, but if that's the guy that's going to be targeting the back of my retina with the laser and cauterizing the the leaking vein, that guy over that guy is my guy. And you know what's amazing? It It took about six, eight months before the retina would heal up, and I was legally blind for six or eight months. But you'll be amazed you will be amazed what God will do for you if you can't do anything for six or eight months. And you'll be amazed at what, what, he'll, what you'll learn when the only thing that you have is your prayer time in the Word. And, 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 the only thing that you, and, and praise God for, for Bible on tape, Bible on cassette. Praise God. Because I couldn't read it. And all of a sudden, one day, one day, it was amazing, one day, I was, I was there and, and, and I, was laying, I was laying in bed and and I was listening to the birds. You know, your, 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 your other senses compensate. Your, I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But your other senses begin to compensate for when, when one of your senses go down. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, by the way. I just want you to know that. And, and I was sitting there and I was listening to the birds and, 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 and listening to everything outside the window going on. And I'm like, oh, man, that is so awesome. And I opened up my eye and I could see the ceiling. In the middle of the night, while I slept. Was I worried that I was going to not ever gain my sight again? Sure. Because that little guy was just starting into, into football and I wanted to see him play. Ashley, she was, she was the champion of the county and throwing the, the, women's, the women's shot put and the women's discus and I wanted to be a part of their life. And I saw his face, and I saw my daughter's face. I saw my lovely wife's face again. And I saw my dog. You know one thing? I I wish more people were like dogs. My dog never left my side. He was always there. He would, he would always, if I, and he wasn't trained to be a C&I dog, but if I was going to, if I was going to, you, you remember Petey, if I was going to walk into something, he'd, get, he'd stop me. I saw my dog. 
Isn't it amazing the things that God puts in your life before you even knew? Before you even knew you would need them, God had provision there. All we had to do was get to the place where He would meet with us at, get to that Bethel moment in our life. All we had to do was find where we, our meeting place is with God and go to that place, and I don't have to worry about nothing anymore. Amen? I didn't have to worry about my sight, and that gave us hope when she was going through the, the cancer. That gave us hope that God, the same God who worked in my life would work in hers. That gave us hope when we found this place. We were kicked out of our place and it gave us hope that God's got this. For the last three years, God has been telling us. He's been telling people at the river and, and whoever will listen. God's got this. I've got this, says the Lord. You just be about my business and I'll take care of everything else. You just be about my business. You seek the kingdom of God and my righteousness and I, I'll take care of the rest. You know what the amazing thing is? And I'm going to put a close on this. We'll have to, we'll have to get back into this at another time because it, it, it's, it's so good down here. Go ahead and finish reading that up this week, Matthew chapter 7. You know what the amazing thing is? A lot of times when I was traveling for business, my, my, my manager would say, hey, look, we're going to send you here. We're going to send you there. Um, you need to be, you need to you know, be down there in, 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 in a couple of days. And, and, and uh, you, know, you know the amazing thing about it? When I was traveling... And it, it, well, I didn't have to buy the I didn't have to buy the airline ticket. I didn't have to pay for the rental car. I didn't have to buy the first meal. Didn't have to wonder where I was going to stay. He'd say, "Here's your packet. We need you. We need you in Memphis. Here's your packet. We need you in in in, in Newark." And I'm still wondering about that one. Uh, here's your packet, and we need you. And we need you in Nashville. Here's your packet. You know what? Not one time did I ever have to pay when my boss sent me on a, when he sent me on one of their missions. They picked up everything. As a matter of fact, when I was in, when I was in Wisconsin and I, was, and I was coming back through Chicago, he goes, hey, listen, you know, if you, if you want to stop in, in one night and you want to stop in Milwaukee and go to a baseball game because he knew I love baseball, he said, that's fine, go ahead and do it. He goes, I'm not paying for that, but you can go. Well, heck, you're there, Right? Works over at five, game starts at seven. It's on, right? If men work in businesses and doing business, if they know how to treat their employees and ambassadors, how much more do you think your heavenly father knows how to take care of us? If I'm busy about his business, Pastor Burkhart, remember what Pastor Burkhart used to tell us? If the Lord tells you to jump through that wall, first off, make sure that you heard it from the Lord. But then jump. It's God's obligation to make the door. If you're worried about things that are going on in your life right now, if, you're, if your future is uncertain, then let me suggest that you give your future to the one who is already in your future. He's already there. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to bless you and give you a hope and not do you evil. I may have to break some things off of you, but I'm going to give you a hope. I'm going to move you forward. I'm going to move you forward. Choose you this day. Your Bible says... Choose you this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord.
we're going to serve the Lord. Father, we thank you and we praise you. Lord God, we give you all the honor and all the glory. Lord, I thank Thank you for listening to today's message. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us here at the River, you can email us at study at riverwc, all one word, dot org. Again, that's email to study at riverwc.org. God bless you.